Welcome to Mere Utterance, the podcast where we explore small stories and the big impact they have on our lives. On this episode of the podcast, we speak with Dr. Linda Mitchell, who takes us on a fascinating deep dive into the surprisingly sexy world of rubber, rubber tyres that is, and all the ways in which they can be recovered to help contribute to a sustainable future and a more circular economy. Linda is a passionate chemist, science communicator, and researcher. This week, our conversation delves into her journey as a woman in STEM and the passions she pursues on her journey forward. Linda, thank you so much for um, agreeing to come on our podcast. Welcome. Thank you. No worries. I'm excited. So uh, our first question is, how would you introduce yourself at this point in time? I think probably if I was to describe like my top thing. Yes. It would be, I feel like I'm a big motivator. Like I'm a motivated person, but also I like motivating other people. Beautiful. Um, and that extends to like work, play, family, everything. So yeah, probably motivator is how I'd like introduce myself. Yeah. Awesome. Have you always been a motivator? I think so. I think I've always been like a very energetic, outgoing person Mm. and I've always loved people and, and hanging out with people and doing stuff out there. Um, but yeah, the more I kind of get on in life the more I do the more I love motivating people yeah wow and is that motivating what does that look like is that like motivating people to pursue their dreams or is it being like the bubbly person in the conversation or it's literally all of the above yeah yeah (laughs) um I, I like I love going to a party and talking to random people in the room that like maybe want to get out of their shell or, or can't get out of their shell and like going over and talking to the quietest person in the room and just like bringing them out of it. Like, you know, just, I don't know. I don't have any, um, I don't have much social anxiety. Like I just kind of, I love that for you. Yeah. I, well, maybe it's not, it might be social anxiety might not be the right word. I just lack embarrassment. Like I just don't really get embarrassed by things. I think that comes from having, probably a very embarrassing mum and then <laughs> now I'm like well nothing can embarrass me you know you've been desensitized yeah you yeah the, the extrovert magic dust yeah what, whatever that whatever has come from yeah that um growing up with yeah very also very embarrassing parents in general really? so I mean we all say we have embarrassing parents mm-hmm. but for whatever reason it's helped me to become who I am so I guess it's okay now yeah nice cool and um you say that like you're a motivator does that extend to you too like I always wonder what we give to the world what we give to others do we give the same to ourselves? do you know what I mean like I like to like listen to people and hold space for people um, but I don't often extend that to myself. Do you self-motivate easily as well? I mean, you're like, you're very accomplished and you've done some pretty amazing things. Yeah. I think I'm very, I'm very goal oriented. Like mm-hmm. if I see a plane, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm very goal oriented. So that for me is very motivating. So if there's a task or an event or a thing, something that I want to achieve if I can structure it and package it up nicely in in like a goal Mm -hmm. I'm like bang let's get there like 
I mean, the way that I met you guys was through the comedy program. I didn't know how I wanted to do science communication. And then this popped up and I was like, great, there's an end goal in mind and there's a path to get there. And I'm like, great. I'm at every single session. I'm like throwing myself fully into it because that structure helped me. Whereas like without that, like taking a step back, I'm like, Ooh, how do I get there? But once there's like a path, I'm like fully, like, I guess, yeah, I'm all in. And, and that for me is self-motivating to have, incentives along the way yeah, and like absolutely. yeah absolutely and for so for context for listeners who might not be aware of the comedy show <laughs> um do you want to go through what that was what that experience was like yeah so i um my housemate is like did improv and there was this program run that was advertised through improv theater sydney and it's basically like a science comedy event basically a bunch of scientists come together and um, learn about the ins and outs of stand-up comedy and then we do a few workshops writing workshops comedy workshops and then at the end of it we got up on stage and did a set at the, <laughs> the Enmore Theatre and you know presented our best jokes to the world in front of hundreds of people yeah yeah it sounds terrifying yeah but <laughs> I, I don't get embarrassed <laughs> so I I it, for me, it was like, that was the easiest bit for me. I said this the other day, really? like the actual on the night getting up, like I just enjoyed it so much. I like thrived in that space. Like I had so much fun on stage. It was like the, the lead up that was stressful for me, I think. Why the lead up? I think because I guess I just wanted it to be the best it possibly could yeah. be. And so you put that a bit of pressure on yourself to, to get and and I motivated so many people to come and watch me because I was like, this is going to be great. And I like pulled in all these people to come watch the show. And then I was like, oh my God, there's dozens of people here to watch this show for me. And I'm like, it better be a good set that they listen to. Yeah. 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 And, and this also kind of touches um, on what you do. I mean, you're, you're a scientist, right? This is all part of... I suppose teaching scientists or equipping scientists with tools to be, you know, excellent science communicators. So this feeds into your your career, right? Yeah. Well, so I mean, there was a bit of a disconnect between, like, I I do work in in industry. So I I've done my PhD in, in chemistry and science, but I've now moved into the industry world, and and I work in. I work in tire science all about how do we use all these round, you know, black things with holes in them that, you know, we all drive around on once we can no longer drive around on them. And for me, there was a, there was a disconnect between all the science that I was doing and understanding the material that I was working with and what people actually understood. Mm. And so I really wanted to somehow bring that to people in the best way and for me I love the science I, I like I am a scientist at heart and it's my passion so I wanted people to get excited about tires in the same way that I am excited about tires and so the science comedy was one way to get there mm -hmm. and I think it's made that made me more confident about that mm -hmm. and yeah. I you say you love tires. What do you love about tires? 
I, I don't know. I, it's, I'm an easy, I'm an easy sell. Like <laughs> I, I, I like a lot of things. I think what I like about tires is I think of all the like hard to recover materials, tires are great because they're like strong and flexible and like they have all these great properties that you can actually exploit in their second and third and fourth life. Mm. It's an it's a heavily engineered material to, that goes on our cars and it's our only contact with the road, so it keeps us really safe. Whereas, you know, other hard to recover materials like our couches and our mattresses and, you know, the plastics that we use and the electronics that we use, they're not safety materials. Whereas a tire is designed to keep you safe mm. but it's also really hard to recover and reuse so we have to get clever about it so I like I like that element of tires are a bit sexy you know yeah, I love it so you're yeah. sort of um solving the puzzle on how to reuse that in an effective way yeah in in the most high valued way as well like mm. how can we get the most value out of that material so that we can replace materials that take a lot of energy and effort to create that we don't need to do that because we have a material and a resource that we're already mm -hmm. you know using and or no longer wanting to use as a tire mm -hmm. and so what does that look like reusing that so like a lot of the work that we do is in i guess in other engineered materials so roads in certain concrete pavements wow. it's adding tire rubber into those materials to improve the properties of those materials that's awesome yeah that's yeah amazing. yeah it's yeah. really versatile yeah yeah that's so cool. i would say i never thought of i never actually really gave much thought to tires that's really no, interesting a lot of people don't really no. yeah okay so i want to backtrack a little bit you you did your phd in chemistry chemistry okay so what is it that inspires you to go into a PhD? Because that's a really big undertaking. Good question. <laughs> I think I think I was given a really good opportunity to do a PhD. And when I finished my, my undergrad degree and actually traveled for a little bit, I didn't go back straight into a PhD. I actually took 11 months to decide to go back to my, to study. Like I took a full, nearly a full year off. Where'd you go? I went traveling around Europe and I, oh, I worked for a bit to make enough money to then go traveling for like four months around Europe. Awesome. A little backpacking trip. That sounds delightful. Yeah, it was, it was a great time. <laughs> I wish I could do that again. But when I came back, I, I realized I, I wasn't done with science and I had a really positive, uni experience and I wanted to continue that. And I knew that I wasn't ever going to be the best or the smartest chemist or, you know, like the most dedicated researcher, but I knew that I could do it and I was interested in doing it. But I approached my PhD, I think differently to a lot of people in that I, I wanted to stick my hand in every pie. So every project that I did was like a different type of chemistry. <laughs> and then every, I joined all the committees in the department so that I could meet all the different people. And, um, yeah, I was like president of the society whilst I was there. Like I just, I made the opportunity fit me mm. as well as me fit the opportunity. Um, yeah, so I did everything I could to make the most of it because I didn't, I didn't do a PhD for the PhD. I did it because for me, it, 
it seemed like the best opportunity at the time. Mm. Is that a curiosity? Yeah, I'm a curious person. Right. Yeah. Was was, it... Don't get me wrong, PhD was hard. It was hard work. <laughs> I make it sound like a walk in the park. Oh, I hear it's hard work. <laughs> but um, I think I, I didn't let it... I didn't let it stop me with that curiosity and that like randomness and, you know, doing things that I also enjoyed at the same time. Was the curiosity satisfied? In some ways, yeah. Like I definitely, I feel like I knew almost everybody in my building by the end of it. So in that way, (laughs) in that way, I, I was definitely, I definitely knew more about different types of chemistry and the other work that was going on in the building Mm. more so than I thought I would. Is that rare for science? And when I say, is that rare? I'm talking about is the kind of interdisciplinary or the multiple elements to chemistry working together. Is that commonly done? There's, there is a lot of knowledge sharing that happens at at least. I mean, my experience was in my department, but there, there is, plenty of knowledge sharing that happens in seminars and in conferences and you know there there will be conferences that are discipline specific but you know your building might host like a an annual like I helped host a postgraduate symposium where you know all the students all the PhD students got to present their research so you were aware of the research that was going on across the school and we would have like general seminars that you know everyone would go to so there was definitely information sharing I would say there was sharing of research in that like as a as a student you might be supervised by multiple supervisors you might have two supervisors so there's collaboration and then there's knowledge sharing but there would be some disciplines that probably don't overlap very strongly. Yeah, interesting. Um, so some parts of the bu- like some parts of the department wouldn't necessarily need to talk to other parts. Yeah. It would just be more the like professional workplace where you needed to have conversations. Right. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. And so you go from this highly collaborative environment in your PhD where you're knowing everybody in your building and um and you're kind of sharing all these ideas and research and collaborating and all that sort of thing. And then you finish your PhD and then you go into industry. Mm. So what's the transition? Was it a seamless transition from academia into industry? Was that like... I... No. (laughs) So no because of COVID. Oh. Because I got hired in a lockdown. I got hired in one lockdown as an intern at this company during my PhD. So I interned for a couple of months there just mm-hmm. to, cause they needed someone in to do a bit of work for them. Finger, dipping my finger in every pie. <laughs> yeah. And then when I finished my PhD, I went back to work for them full time in another lockdown, like a, in a different year's lockdown. Wow. Yeah. And so I was actually working for the organization for about seven months before meeting anybody, which as a like insane extrovert was really hard. <laughs> that was like, that was one of the hardest things, but it would have been the same anywhere. Like I, like I would have had that problem anywhere. So I just kind of got used to teams. I, I feel like my, my sense, well, me as a person learned how to get that same energy and, um, satisfaction from online interactions like I learnt how to 
or I relearned how to get that socialization through online. How? That's so, that's so hard. I know, I know. I think, I think just like purely necessity, (laughs) (laughs) like because we were in like those lockdowns for so long and there was like, especially the like second, the big one that we had, that was when I first started at this job was like the one where it was like four months or something ridiculous. It was out of necessity. Yeah. Like we were talking to everyone online really. And so day during the day, it was like doing my best to talk to people and like stay connected. Mm. And it's helped now because my team is mostly based down in Melbourne and I'm based in Sydney, which people look at me and they're like, what the hell? That yeah. doesn't suit you at all. Like, but also I'm like, I get a lot more work done because I work without getting distracted and, you know, like chattering away. But then also I've learned to embrace the, the online networks and that kind of community that we have built out of necessity. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I think a lot of people had to learn the same thing. I mean, I'm, I'm fiercely introverted, so the lockdown for me was like a nice, cosy little <laughs> holiday. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I feel like I've l- I've learnt to really tap into my introverted. Like before before COVID and before the lockdowns, I never had I never wanted to sit still, and I'm slowly but surely sitting still less and less, <laughs> and the further out of COVID we get. But I definitely learnt to enjoy the comforts of being at home. And I think that's like potentially gonna exciting. Like I've told you, I'm about to move house and move into my own little like granny flat at my sister's house. I'm really excited for my own space there to have that like little comfort zone and settle in there. It'll be very nice. What is it like kind of reclaiming or staking out your own space? Well, it's kind of staking up my own space. I mean, I've, I've got my sister up the corridor, so <laughs> there's there's somebody up the corridor. They've got a beautiful dog, so, you know, like, yeah. And and, and my niece is, like, six months old, so, you know, it's, it's going to be a busy environment that I'm moving into, but I'm really looking forward to just being able to decorate my own space and make it my my own. I'm, I've never never done that, actually. I've never had my own spot my entire life like I've always either been at home or shared houses and it's always been shared living areas and shared kitchens and shared bathrooms and stuff so I'm very much looking forward to feeling to figuring out what my style is or what my home looks like yeah does that extend to your professional life as in I mean, I don't know all that much about you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It's like just listening to your journey and listening to the way that you've sort of like gone on your path. It seems like you've allowed your curiosity and your passion for, you know, everything to kind of guide you in a really unique way. In the job that you have now, do you feel like, yep, this is my space, this is what I'm good at, this is what I love doing? So, my organisation recognised that they needed a scientist in their team for a couple of projects, but didn't realise kind of how broad that scope could get. So, there was so many different 
areas that I could tap into that they didn't realize that my skills extended like that. So I've had a really great experience and a really fun experience finding all the ways that I can you can't see this on the podcast, but I'm like weaving my <laughs> hands, hands in and out of like all these different, um, like mate, basically a maze through all the organization to find spaces that I can play and spaces that I can explore and new exciting opportunities. And I love what I love most about that is that it's supporting other people in my team and like getting them interested and excited about the science of the work that they do because there's a couple of engineers but it's mostly people that have worked in business and and sales and and you know marketing and communications and you know there's we have such a diverse team which is very exciting we do great work but I really enjoy like helping them to see the the benefits that a scientist can bring to the conversation. It's that motivator. The motivator. <laughs> we so got cool. there. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, I mean, it's good collaboration and teamwork as well. Like we all tap into the right skills that each person has in the organization. And I really enjoy that. Yeah. And so how long have you been in that role now? On Wednesday, it'll be two years full time. Nice. But if you count the internship, it's like two years and four months. So, Ooh, okay. but yeah, my start date is a, is is about two years ago. Nice. Yeah. And the, and so you've defined the role, sort of you you weaved in and out of yeah, little yeah. things, and that's like kind of solidified. I think the question that I want to get to is what you're like curious about at the moment. So if I was to like rephrase you've gone into your job you've carved out the role you've been really interested in lots of different areas and you're motivating people and you're bringing people to an awareness of the importance and the value of science as you're moving forward are there any areas that you're really curious about at the moment or anything that you're learning about currently that's really fascinating to you Mm. how are you moving forward I guess I think for me, one of the big things that I'm kind of working on at the moment is I've started managing a new a new scientist that's come into the role as well. So it's not just me anymore. There's a, I yeah, I have another scientist brought in and I and I've really thoroughly enjoyed that process of bringing in a skill a skill set that aligns with mine but also complements it like in his knowledge. So for me at the moment growing that science base and and potentially engineering as well like just the whole stem area for me is very exciting I'm excited because number one I've obviously expressed how into science communication and education is for me so I'm excited to bring that as a team rather than just me kind of standing out the front because I I do love presenting I love talking in front of people I love that engagement that you have in those sorts of experiences but I also love bringing people along for the ride and getting them excited about what I'm excited about so for me it's definitely the next couple of years are about going to be about yeah tapping into that side of things and Mm. seeing what they have to enjoy and also tire recovery is 
it's exciting space to be working in. Like we're, there's new ways of recovering tires. We're working in like a hot space at the moment because there's so many tires that we don't recover because they're so rurally, like rurally located. So we're working with tires that we've never worked with before as well. Like they're not just your classic like car tires. We get them. They're, they're old news. <laughs> it's exciting to be working with the new tires that like their science is different. They they have to be different because they serve a different function. Right. What's a new tire? So we're talking like big agriculture tractor tires. We're talking big, you know, earth moving tires, quarry tires, you know, all the tires that are so big that they've not really been recovered until now because they're just too hard and they're in the middle of nowhere. Right. So unless there's the right, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty politics <laughs> of it, but if there's not the right motivators there, <laughs> yeah. then, um, then they're not going to, nothing's going to happen. But the, the right conversations are happening now that we're hopefully getting closer to those tires. And I'm excited about that because it's a new space. That's so interesting. <laughs> I really love that too. Yeah. Like, I think especially too, you know, moving into a space where we're really needing innovative solutions to yeah. massive problems. We're at a tipping point right now where the waste industry is transitioning into the circular economy. So what we call waste now, we don't want to be calling waste in the future. We want to be calling it resources. And so we're kind of in this resource recovery era, but we really need to transition into that circular economy where everything is recovered and used in new materials. And that to me is exciting because you need to understand the material that you're working with, which is a lot of the work that I do is like, if you don't understand the material, you're not going to be able to really use it in the best way possible. So I guess that makes me curious as well. In answer to your question, like three questions ago, that makes me super curious about how can, how can we best use this material in, in this new era of circularity I guess which is so exciting too and I think hearing these stories are really uh, inspiring because as somebody who's previously taught high schools a lot of the feedback from the students when they hear about you know climate change and the environment it's all very doom and gloom well there's nothing that we can do about it and you know, mm. policymakers suck and, yeah. you know, what are we doing and where are we going? So it's really nice to hear yeah. stories from scientists who are in industries that are focused on creating a more circular economy and not looking at things as waste but mm. are looking at things as, you know, untapped or unchanged or unmoulded resources, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. An interesting fact for you. I'm going to, I'm going to quote a fact. I don't normally do that. Um, but so when we talk about like climate change and, and, you know, reducing emissions, 55% of our global emissions are related to the energy sector. And if we want to, you know, hit carbon targets, then we need to re switch to renewables, decarbonize our energy network. But the other 45% comes from the materials around us so accessing materials for cars and transport and you know everything that we do and move and touch 
45% of global emissions goes into that. The food that we eat, all those, all, so basically what I'm saying is we can't just get there with renewables and with decarbonizing the yeah. grid. We have to do something about, yeah. you know, our materials and wow. our resources. That's so inspiring. And that's just emissions and energy. We're not even talking about like other planetary boundaries like biodiversity and like ocean acidification and all these other aspects that are um, delving into the very nitty gritty science of it. But but it's great. Yeah. So it's nice to, it's, it's real live examples of mm. that aspect of climate change that don't always get talked about. And I don't know, like I hear you talking about high school students and like their interest in that area like they're they're switched on and they're interested and I love that curiosity from them and I hope that what I say they they hear and they listen to and yeah. I can teach them is there advice that you would give to young people looking to get into STEM yeah get get excited about the I don't know I love the materials that we use and like get excited about science science is fascinating and you know it's very you can you can touch it you can play with it you can see it I don't know I'm not I, really, a... <laughs> I actually really love that though like just I really love that because the advice of get curious and get excited is actually really lovely because I think so often we get bogged down in I must do ABC mm. step one two three in order to be able to achieve this but I think starting with passion is really key I, I've, I've changed my answer <laughs> and my answer is you can try before you buy so Love. yeah so I did a bachelor of science but I took a year off in the middle of that to do an internship in industry as an analytical chemist realized I didn't like that so I went back and finished my degree and decided to do honors to see whether this research thing was worth it I also interned in China for three months to decide whether I wanted to, oh no, for one month to decide whether I wanted to do work overseas. I, during my, I traveled to see whether I actually wanted to do a PhD. Then I came back, did a PhD, but I also did some exchange overseas to see like, and then I interned during my PhD. So what I'm saying is there's opportunities to like figure it out along the way. Like just because you, might choose a specific degree there's so many things out there that can help you figure it out it's not like your degree might not necessarily like line it all up for you but you can try before you buy <laughs> Love that. Love and it. I found what I was looking for eventually like it took three internships to get there and it took two degrees to get there and multiple exchanges but you know, I got paid for most of the internships. <laughs> That's nice. Um, and I wasn't really in a hurry because I just knew what I... I was like, I'll figure it out once I get there. Mm. Um, yeah. So staying curious and trying all the things, all the pies. Yeah, yeah. You get <laughs> all the fingers and all the pies. <laughs> awesome. That's wonderful. I'll ask one final question. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to say that we haven't touched on or any final words hmm. or a final story that's been pivotal to you I think just that I am grateful that 
you guys have had me here tonight. It's been really nice. Oh, it's been so lovely and, to have you. And I, I like, I, I like having conversations like this where we just talk about just people and experiences and just take stock on who we are. And um, it's nice to pause once in a while and reflect. So it's been a pleasure and I'm really enjoyed sitting underneath your nice weighted electric blanket <laughs> uh, because it's a bit cold. It is. <laughs> so it's very cold. I'm very toasty. So <laughs> well, it's been an absolute delight to have you here. Thank you so much for coming and, and sharing a meal with us and sharing a story. It's been really delightful. And thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us this week for our conversation with Linda. It is so essential to hear the stories of passionate women in science, and it is similarly important that workplaces and industries have people like Linda, whose enthusiasm and drive acts as an incredible motivator for others. We live in a society that tends to value hard skills, but it is the soft skills like being a motivator or being a passionate communicator that actually make all the difference, both on the lives of the individual and at the collective level. Linda's story is a beautiful reminder of the importance and the impact of these invaluable skills. At Mirutterance, we want to create a community of storytellers, and so we welcome you to visit our website, check out our blog, leave a comment or send us a message. We would love to hear your thoughts on this conversation and would love even more to hear some of your story. Thank you again for joining us, and remember, everyone has a story. You just need to ask the right questions. <laughs>